1: Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not
0: insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal amount invested. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. My special guest, Alan Cox, the CPA and head of the estate and slash trust planning department there at Ronald Blue Trust in Atlanta. And this CARES Act has come out uh, just recently, of course. Most people are aware of it. There are some provisions I think that have not been discussed as much on the national media. Everybody's heard about the rebates and and the the extra amount that people are getting in their in their unemployment checks and those kind of things. Uh, those I think have been covered pretty well. But some of these other provisions, especially as it relates to uh, retirement plans and IRAs and so forth, have have not been talked about as much. And I think that's what talking money is for, is to talk about those kinds of things. Uh, Alan, you've written several pieces, or your team certainly has written, I assume you've written some of these pieces on the CARES Act. And so we just want to pick your brain for a little bit and see if we can have some planning ideas at the same time. So let's start with the IRAs. And I think one of the Biggest provisions in this is that uh, waiver of the uh, RMD required minimum distribution. Let's talk about that.
2: Yes. So uh, the prior to um, this year in 2019, the Secure Act came out and it changed the required minimum distribution day from seven and a half to 72. And so those individuals that did turn 70 and a half in 2019 were required to take a minimum distribution in 2019, although if that was their first year of just turning 70 and a half, they could take that out April 1 of this year. That's the first thing that the CARES Act did, is it waived that requirement to take that first Required minimum di- distribution. If you happen to defer that, uh, in the case that I just just mentioned, so what if happens you if somebody
0: were... didn't defer it? What if, Alan? What if they didn't defer it? So they they said, okay, I already took mine. Is there any hope for them? Can they any chance they can get that one back out? Or they they done? They only qualifies if you delayed it till the April first deadline. That you only have the f- first year you have to take it RMD.
2: That that is. That is correct. If you if you took the 2019 distribution, turning seventy and a half, didn't defer it, there's nothing you can do. The only thing is that you don't have to take your 2020 distribution. That is totally, completely waived. Uh, it's not suspended. The, the key term is it's waived. In other words, it, you just just go right past it. Um, it's as if. If you made it and you didn't make it, you don't have to make it, it's waived. Now, if you did take a distribution in 2020, and let's say you took that within 60 days, you have the ability to put that back in. But it's only if you made that one-time distribution in 2020. So I, I get this question a lot. Okay, we had... An individual who was set up to take monthly distributions, their RMDs, monthly beginning January. So they took January, February, March, and can they roll those back in under the sixty-day rollover plan? The answer is they can only do one of those. So they yeah, have so to take. Limited, they, yeah, right. yeah, you're limited to one rollover uh, per year. 60-day rollover, and so that, that didn't change with the CARE acts. What changed is the requirement to take that minimum distribution. Now, another thing that has, has come up in the questioning is if you are required to take minimum distributions under inherited IRA. Now, if you're required to take those in an inherited IRA, let's say it happened like in my case where my, my mom passed in 2019. So her required minimum distribution was not taken out before she died in October. So I had to rush around and get that minimum distribution taken out before the end of the year. Right. Um, and the question has come up, so it, what if I didn't take that distribution in 2019? do I still have to take it in 2020? And the answer is yes. You're probably you're going to be lucky if you don't get penalized for right. not taking that because you should have taken that in 2019. Only the owner, the IRA owner, has the opportunity to defer the first year of the RMD. An inherited IRA is not the same. They fall under different rules, and you were required to take any any RMD that the decedent had not taken and then you have to take your RMDs along the schedule. Now, for my for my mother's situation, the 2020 RMD that's waived. I don't have to take that. So, when I went to the bank and I told them, "Hey, put this over in my name." They said, "Well, do you want what date do you want to take the RMD?" And I said, "Well, I'll let you know in December." Well, I'm going to let them know I don't have to take it.
0: <laughs> I'm, so the, inherited, I'm, the inherited, once it got to an inherited IRA, you're under the same rule. You don't have to take that. Your required minimum distribution is waived for 2020.
2: That's correct. All okay. required minimum distributions are waived for 2020. So your required minimum distribution, if you turn 70.5 before or you're turning 72 this year, I'm glad they simplified that under the CARES Act. It was always yeah. hard to get up to that 70 and a half. But those 2020 mandatory distributions are waived.
0: So if someone, if someone, that we talked about, uh, if somebody delayed their first year distribution, and it's the only, the only people who can do that are those who had their, turned 70 and a half last year and had their very first distribution come April 1st. So they, uh, or if they, if they did the the uh, monthlies that you mentioned so I'm getting my required minimum distribution I started in January and I can only take one of those out so I can I can go back 60 days but I can only do one and, and I think it's important for people to remember it's because I think it gets confusing sometimes when we say once a year people automatically think that's once every calendar year when it's really just it's once every 12 months right Alan yes yeah. right So that's important to remember. So, but, but if you, if you can at least stop, if you don't need the money for this year, you can at least stop any future distributions and the rest of that won't be showing up as, as taxable income for you. Correct. Which is good. Yeah, that's good. So what about, um, when I was thinking about this, uh, even for our own clients and thinking about those who are doing regular qualified charitable distributions. So that's something that is still, Age 70 and a seventy half is the limit that that didn't get changed to seventy two, as you and I talked about when we covered the Secure Act back uh whenever that was, a few a few months back. But with other clients, you say, well, I don't need the money, but I'm I'm making uh, monthly or quarterly distributions from my IRA as a qualified charitable distribution. Uh in that case, I would think uh, many of them should continue to do that because that's still a tax efficient way to pull money out of that. IRA, and it's going to make your balance lower December 31st, 2020, so that when you have to make your required minimum distribution in 2021, it won't be as large, theoretically, because you, you took out that, that money this year to do the qualified charitable distribution. So there's some reasons to, if you need the money or if you want to continue doing the qualified charitable distributions, that that may be a reason to keep on doing it. Does that make sense, Alan? We didn't talk about that ahead of time, but...
2: Yeah, says uh, just just bear in mind that you're not required to take the distribution. So right. this is right. it, it's a it's it, but as you mentioned, Mike, it's an opportunity for you to reduce the total value of your IRA that's going to come into play next year when you calculate the required minimum distribution. And so, if your goal is to ultimately uh, reduce your taxable income by the amount included from that IRA, then yes, go ahead and continue doing your giving. And it also may be that, that you're in a situation that you're not able to take advantage of the itemized deduction uh, for your charitable distributions. And what, we haven't talked about this yet, but the, the right. there is a little bit of difference of, of a percentage allowed if you are able to itemize your, your charitable deduction, but the whole advantage of doing the QCD is the fact that it's it's above the line, and it's not uh, it doesn't fall into your uh, itemized
0: deductions. Yes, if you're giving money anyway, I mean don't I, I would not recommend and having someone stop the IRA distribution and stop the qualified charitable distribution and start making those gifts just from regular cash, just because you don't have to take it out of the IRA, I would still maintain that as a a good tax planning strategy to take that money out of the IRA to to make sure that you uh, make it the most tax efficient way possible, which is going to be from that IRA. So that just makes sense. Okay, Alan, we're going to take a break here in just a, a few seconds, but uh, we'll be continuing the conversation about how you might be able to take out more money without a penalty from a 401k, I guess, or an IRA, and, and what uh, are the requirements for that. We certainly want to make that, uh, make you aware of those kinds of things. So thanks for listening to Talking Money. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
1: This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I'm pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance, and as a fiduciary, work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your estate attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at 800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money.
0: And you're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. So glad you joined us today. Hope you're getting some valuable information here about the CARES Act. The recently uh, passed uh, act that is giving a bunch of money away. And Alan Cox is with me today, a CPA and head of the estate trust planning de- de- department at Ronald Blue Trust. I've gotten to know and respect Alan a lot for his years of experience and the skills he brings to his particular Uh, job, and uh, I thought it was interesting, Alan, so the, even some of the pieces we have that we've put out talk about the two trillion dollars that this bill is, uh, giving away and, or or loans are giving away and so forth, and it's actually two point two trillion dollars, and it's like, all of a sudden, now two two hundred billion dollars is not a big deal anymore. It's like a rounding error, and like two two hundred billion dollars, that's still a lot of money. So a lot of money is going into this, and we want to make sure. I guess everybody takes advantage of it. We've done some webinars to help business owners and other individuals how to navigate through this. But we're talking about mainly about the estate planning, the retirement planning part of it. And we've already covered the, the waiver of the required minimum distributions for this year. The the next thing we want to talk about, Alan, is uh, there's some provisions now with some distributions that people can make uh, that uh, would waive the early withdrawal penalty. Talk about that with us.
2: Yeah, so one of the provisions uh, of an IRA is if you withdrew that after you placed it into the IRA and you did that before turning 59 and a half, there was a 10% penalty on the amount. Uh, that is what has been waived. That 10% penalty has been waived. Uh, also, if you're taking funds out of a 401k, a, an employer plan, there's typically a mandatory income tax withholding, and that has been waived as well. So those are those are two provisions related to to outright distributions uh, that have been helpful for those people that fall within that age category.
0: How much can you how much can you take out? There's a limit on that, I think. And then and what are are there certain requirements you have to qualify for? I think they're pretty broad. But to to qualify for waiving that 10% penalty, you still pay, you'll still have to pay the income tax, right? Just waive the penalty.
2: Yes, so it's it's a person that either was diagnosed with the COVID-19 or a spouse, if they're married, with the COVID-19, or, and this is the more broad definition or exemption, is a person who experienced adverse financial consequences as a result of being quarantined, furloughed, laid off having work hours reduced or unable to work due to childcare, school closing, or reduced hours of business or other factors determined by the secretary. Well, Matt, that last determined by the secretary, (laughs) what that means is we have got some IRS regulations or treasury notices that are going to come out and further define that. But that last phrase there is what probably Impacts almost every family that has, has children because almost every school that I know has shut down. And so that requires one of the spouses to have to go home, uh, in order to care for the child or watch over those children, uh, either the daycare or the school has closed. So it, it's kind of a liberal there that you're able to, to do that. So, um, Hopefully that, that is a, a value there uh, for yeah, somebody. And the, the, the sure. kind of the addition, uh, I, I think you, you mentioned, is there a limit? Yes, yeah, it's, it's up to a hundred thousand. Um, and then in addition to that, there is a loan of up to a hundred thousand you can also, also bring out. Um, as you, as you recall, there is a, uh, Loan exception in place in the law that was was pretty hard to hard to meet, and so uh, now they they liberalize that to where you can take a, a loan provision out of uh, of the IRA or the retirement plan.
0: Okay, I hadn't seen that anywhere. So you can actually take a loan out of it. So how does that how does that work? Paying it back and so forth. I mean, if you take it a loan, you don't have to pay taxes on it because it's a loan.
2: Yes, that's correct. It is a loan.
0: Uh-huh. And then how how long would you have to pay it back to make sure um, it didn't
2: hit? Well, you, you, I, I, there's not an actual uh, period of payback mentioned.
0: Hmm. Uh, okay.
2: It's just that the payments can be delayed for up to a year, so you don't have to make any yeah. payments okay. back to that. Okay. And I'm assuming that the custodian... Is, is again, the custodian is left to probably uh, put the provisions of the, of the loan in place.
0: Yeah, I see something here that says uh, distribution may be repaid to an eligible retirement plan within a three-year period, and that's the, same, that's the same time limit they give you on paying the income tax. So you have, uh, instead of having to pay all the income, so you take out $100,000 at once, you don't have to include all 100000 in your taxable income that year, you can like actually spread that out over it looks like uh, three calendar years if I'm reading that right. Yes, that's right. Yes, you do. You do have a three year period to to pay that. hmm Yeah. So if it, it, whereas 100,000 may would almost assuredly put you in a higher marginal tax bracket, you know, putting in uh, 33,000 if that's if you took out the full 100, which I was strongly encourage you not to do unless you just really needed the money because. That that means all the deferral for that IRA is going to be gone. If you're only 40 years old and you take out 100,000, that's a lot of money that would be essentially not in your retirement plan later on. If you if you um, took it out now, it's just like uh, a lot of other people do with retirement plans, they do oh I'm I'm going to take this money out. I got a hardship withdrawal or I've got whatever, and then they don't think about what kind of impact I might have down down the road with them. So, yeah, be careful, and and certainly always, as we like to remind everybody, is to check with your own tax advisor on any of these things to see how it's going to impact you. We're giving you some general information, but you certainly want to check with your own advisor to know for sure what how it's going to apply to you. Okay, so um, another uh, few shorter provisions I think we can cover fairly quickly before the break. Uh, How about the health care-related provisions with health savings accounts, and the uh, flexible spending accounts and things like that. There's some uh, advantages of some waivers they've done there or delays they've done there too, right? Uh,
2: yes, actually, on the health savings accounts, uh, they've kind of opened that up to where um, you could buy over-the-counter medications. Before it was limited to where you could just just had to have prescription drugs uh, for the plan. So they've opened that up to have. Over the counter med- medication. Um, yeah, I saw that. I wondered,
0: did it have to apply with any over the counter? It didn't say what I read, didn't say it had to be a coronavirus related type medicine. It just, it just said over the counter medications. Is that going to be that broad?
2: Uh, again, we're <laughs> kind of looking for, for treasury guidance, but it, it yeah, does appear okay. that, that, uh, it's going to be opened up, uh, to, to, to over the counter, and and there was one one place that I I read that uh, the qualified medical expenses that were broadened even went at, as far to mention uh, menstrual care products uh, that could be covered. So I think it pretty well broadens it up. Uh, anytime okay. you go to the drugstore, except for you know buying the Easter candy there.
0: Okay, so last thing last thing before the break. So just uh, real quickly, the tax filing deadline for IRAs, HSA, that's been extended. Uh, just uh, fill us in on that a little bit before we go to the break.
2: Yeah, so uh, everyone's probably aware of the extended data to, to file and to pay your income tax. Um, and typically, to fund your IRA account, you know, make contributions tax-deductible or non deductible IRA contributions was also April 15th, and that's been pushed back
0: to July 15th as well. Yeah, so you can make your 2019 contributions all the way up to July 15th. I didn't see any place place mentioned the 529, which usually you can also make that contribution up until the tax filing deadline. Do you assume that that's been continued or don't take that chance?
2: I I wouldn't take that chance on that. Um, that's not something that I've run across.
0: Yeah, I've not seen anything about that. But they, extending everything else, I say, well, why not extend that? That That's not a huge deal for people. I mean, in South Carolina, we do get a South Carolina income tax deduction if we make that contribution. And we can do that up to the tax filing deadline for the previous year. But uh, but it's still, there again, not a, a big tax thing. The other ones are affecting your federal taxes, which is where most people have their, their taxes due. Okay, Alan, so we're going to take our last break. When we come back, we're going to talk some about the changes that have been made in the charitable contribution side and maybe even talk about a few other charitable contribution techniques if we have time. So, uh, unfortunately, once again, to remind you, we're not taking calls today, so don't try to call the studio and ask a question. If you want to ask a question, go to TalkingMoneyRadio, TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And there's a place there for you to submit your question. So we'll be back with the last part of Talking Money in just a few minutes.
1: This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit, which is usually the common perspective, or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at one 800 588-7526. Five eight eight seven five two six. Now back to talking money.
0: In the few minutes we have left, we want to talk some about the the charitable changes, the charitable deductions that have been made. And uh, so, Alan Cox, a CPA with me, uh, head of the, the trust and estate uh, planning division at uh, Ronald Blue Trust. And but how long you been there, Alan? You've been there like, uh, 600 years or something, right? <laughs> Twenty, uh,
2: 28 years.
0: <laughs> okay. 28 years. Okay. So, uh, but a lot of great experience. And so it's nice to have that as in, in my quiver, uh, to have uh, your kind of talent, expertise and experience uh, that we can rely on whenever we have uh, client situations that certainly would call for that. So it's, it's, uh, nice to be part of that team. So we're talking about the CARES Act, and we talked a lot already about the retirement planning IRA-type uh, distributions or uh, changes and waivers and so forth. So in the last few minutes we have, let's talk about the charitable deduction. So there's been some changes, and some people that don't normally itemize might have a little bit of a break. So let's uh, cover that, Alan.
2: Yeah, so uh, the the first item is those that don't itemize, you know, as, as the... new act came in it uh, exceeded up the uh, standard deduction amount so that most people may not be able to itemize who were able to before and so their charitable contributions are not able to uh, be taken advantage of as they had in the past. Well now uh, under this CARES Act uh, you get above the line deduction and I I say that that's similar to the way the QCD works. It's above the line charitable deduction of $300 per taxpayer. Now, we've thrown out that question and have not got a clear answer uh, from anyone as to whether or not, if you're filing a joint return, does that mean you get $600? We don't ah. know the answer to that. Okay. Um, I read a I read a piece the other day from an attorney um, who, who was explaining the change, and he started and then after he said the change, presumably, comma, this means. And I said, oh, you know what? It concerns me Anytime an attorney <laughs> starts out the sentence with presumably. I said, in other words. I don't know that anybody is going to make a giving decision based upon whether or not it's 300 or 600. I think you're probably giving anyway. It just means that your CPA will know by the time you have to file your 2020 return whether or not that's 300 or 600 if you're a couple.
0: And that is pretty nice, I mean cuz as you said, a vast majority of the people it can't itemize anymore. They're taking the standard deduction because the standard deduction got increased to, to a level that it just is a way above what people are paying in their their salt uh, taxes, their their state and local income taxes, and their property taxes, and their um, which is or or their contributions and so forth. So this is a little bit of a help, um, but still, I guess comparing that to somebody who has the ability to do a qualified. Charitable distribution from their IRA and reduce that expense. Of, instead of taking three hundred dollars of, of regular money, still may be better to take it from the QCD. But for those who aren't, and uh, a lot of people listening are younger than seven and a half and don't can't uh, do a qualified charitable distribution anyway, the QCD. So this three hundred dollars helps a little bit, but you might as well take advantage of it while you can, right? Yes,
2: and and the only thing to to bear in mind is that you you have to make that. A charitable contribution in cash, cash and it can't it can't be to a donor advised fund or a supporting organization so the the purpose of this provision in the cares act is to get that money out directly to charity they don't want you you know bundling this up into a donor advised fund and keeping it there for ever they want this to go directly out to a public charity that is actually benefiting those most in need at this at this particular time
0: yeah many of them are struggling I know I've talked about Miracle Hill a local ministry here in town that I'm on the board of and how uh, they like other uh, ministries like that are struggling people just aren't giving as much so this is that's, it was a great incentive I think to, to give more to those kind of ministries because obviously it takes some of the burden off the, the government as well because these private charities are, are helping do some of that that job for them so that's great that, that they can help do that. So what what about the limits? So for some of those who are, are more major givers, there's some changes there, but how much they can deduct uh, even in the current year. So why don't you describe some of that for us?
2: Yes. Um, it, 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 it's great that they made this available for, for this year, where they uh, totally took away the limitation that you have if you itemize uh, if, if you're giving at a significant level, uh, your 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 cash contributions were limited to 50 percent of your adjusted gross income. Now that limit is gone. Um, they did they did did limit that at one time up to up to 60 for your cash, but now that's totally lifted. So in other words, you could actually give and directly reduce all your taxable income. So let's say you had a significant event. A business owner, you you were able to close your business uh, by the end of January of this year. You 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 have a significant amount of income that came in as a result of it, and you just feel like you you want to bless again a public charity, not a donor advised fund, not a public support organization that you you established or a private foundation. It goes directly out to that public charity. You can offset your uh, taxable income dollar for dollar. Let's say you, you have a million dollars of income as a result of that transaction, and you, you give a million dollars to charity, boom, you have you reduce your taxable income down to zero.
0: Yeah, of course, that's that's not necessarily taking advantage of some of those lower tax brackets. It, it, it may be good to, to that, uh, spread that out a little bit, but uh, it certainly would, It'd be a, a great opportunity for someone who who wants to to give that kind of money, and and what about your church? I know you said uh, it's uh, uh, public charities. Would your your church qualify for that? Yes, yes, churches
2: would qualify. It specifically carves out donor advised funds and supporting organizations. So the the, the law is really specific. Uh, so, there's not a, you know, there's not people out there going, I wonder what they really meant about this. It's more the commentary I'm getting back is saying, I wonder why they did that. Well, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> they want this money to go directly out to benefit those that are doing the work and the churches uh, around at least this area are doing a phenomenal job. The churches here are just rallying around. They're providing support groups. They're uh, making available meals to to schools that normally would provide those. So your your church is a great charity that qualifies for that public charity.
0: So we just have a couple minutes left. Uh, what about the corporations? Uh, they understand the increase, the limit on deductible corporate uh, charitable gifts as well, so that somebody who may own a, a corporation may want to give some through their corporation instead of individually. Uh, what's What was the change there?
2: Yes. If you were what's considered a C corporation, not a pass-through S corporation, LLC partnership, so you were taxed as a regular corporation, a C corporation, your limit was, the prior law was 10%. Uh, now it's it's increased to
0: 25%. Okay, that's great information, Alan. Uh, thank you once again for joining me here on Talking Money and sharing some of your wisdom and getting us up to speed on this uh, on this care act. If you've got more questions for us at the office here in Greenville, it's 800-588-7526. 800-588-7526. Or so go to talkingmoneyradio.com if you want to submit a question or just to get some more information and listen to some of the other shows. Thanks for listening today. We'll talk to you next week for the next Talking Money.